Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, so, guess what? We got two new puppies at the house. OMG. These are red sable long-haired mini dachshunds, and they are gorgeous. But guess what happens when you have cuteness overload? Guess what else you got? You got the potty safari about every 10 minutes, right? The potty safari. Yes, yes. So when I go to the bathroom, they have to go to the bathroom. So it's every two minutes. And so, but luckily, luckily, Cammie brought these dogs home Friday night, just in time for eight inches of snow. Puppy pottying in snow is not the most conducive environment to training because they're like, I'll just pee in the house. It's a lot easier, right? You know, I mean, they're this high off the ground. It doesn't take much snow to high center them, right? So I pick them up and I walk outside for the seven millionth, you know, potty safari. And as I turn around to make sure the door closes, I, I, I nearly step on poke, which is our that was the newest one, right? She's a, a little chihuahua. And, and I nearly stepped on poke. And um, before I go any further, I just feel the need to, to say that everyone is fine, okay? Before I go on, everyone is fine. But I stepped out, and, and we have this big wash tub that, that sits right under the overhang so that the rain and snow can't get on the firewood, so the firewood isn't kind of on the front porch. And so I go out and I turn around because you got to close the door because of all the snow, right? So I'm having to push it forward and I'm, my back is to the steps, the front steps, right? And so I go to close the door, but I nearly step on poke. Well, I jump backwards. Well, good news is that I'm still and always will be a snake hunting ninja, okay? <laughs> the problem is I still had my summer feet on, not my winter feet on. And I had, I was teetering backwards because I had jumped back to try to not step on poke. I have two dachshunds in my hand and I realize at this moment that God freezes time. It's like, <laughs> right? God freezes time and I know I have three options. I have three options right now. I can just fall down. I just kind of thought that might be lazy. You know, have you ever seen somebody just give up? <laughs> it's the funniest thing in the world. I've seen people like they're, they're riding a bucking horse and then literally they just give up. <laughs> and it's a bad wreck. So I didn't want to just give up. I figured that was too lazy. You got I'm going to be if I go down. Listen, if I'm ever killed as a hostage, know that I talked crap the whole time. OK, and I and I I uh, I I feel like. Uh, falling down is the same thing. I'm going to try to stay upright as long as I can. So I didn't really think falling down was a good option. Um, I could just drop the wieners and save myself, but that kind of felt a little uh, 
kind of timid and cowardly just to drop puppies to save yourself, right? So um, I figured what was going to happen is I was going to slip and slide down the stairs on my butt, but I just couldn't stand up here and tell y'all about that. So in this frozen amount of time, God revealed one other option, and I took it. I launched myself off the porch and superhero landed at the bottom. <laughs> this is where y'all applaud in case you didn't. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, I appreciate that. Right into a pile of dog crap. Right into a pile of dog crap. Uh, listen, when you've got new puppies, Patience is the ability to overlook crap and enjoy a job well done, because I did. I saved everybody. Poke did not get stepped on. The door got closed. The puppies were like, do it again, Dad! And I had poo-poo on my knees. But uh, today we're going to talk about patience. We're going to talk about some patience. And patience is a virtue in the kingdom of God. But patience is all, are you, you're just going to leave now that we're talking about patience or? <laughs> if we're going to talk about patience, Ty needs another cup of coffee. <laughs> He's doing that so he'll have to go to the bathroom so he doesn't have to listen to me talk about patience. Patience is a virtue in the kingdom of God. And, and when, you, when you are able to grasp this idea of, of true godly patience, it is literally like one of the biggest uh, maybe I can say uh, things that we can use in our spiritual warfare all along because we are talking about what it's like to be a king, a cowboy in the kingdom of God, a cowboy in the kingdom of God. And in the first uh, two weeks ago, in our first series, we talked about uh, three things that you need to do kind of setting this up, how to be a, king, a cowboy in the kingdom of God, of how to uh, honor those that lead you in spiritual matters and stuff like that. And it wasn't as, as uh, weird as it might seem. It was a good one. But last week, we actually took a step back and we talked about what is the kingdom of God? Right? We talked about why is this so important? Because the Bible over and over and over and over and over, especially in the New Testament, man, Jesus was adamant about this thing. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like this. I mean, he talked about it over and over and over. But if we were to ask Christians today, what is the kingdom of God? Most of them would probably go, well, it's, well, you know, it's, and, and that's how it would go. Well, we talked about that the kingdom of God is a, is a real place. It's just not in our physical world right now, but it is a real place. It has a throne. It has a king. It has servants, it has messengers, it has counsel, it has court, it has intrigue, it has betrayal, it has wars and battles and people being thrown out of the kingdom of God? Well, the bad news is there was only one place left to go and that was earth. So that's no good. The Bible says in Revelations 12 said, beware for the devil has been thrown down to you. Right? When Jesus was born. 
The kingdom of God is a real place. And what we mean is we are a, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, because he is the Lord of the kingdom of God, then we say, you know what, we are going to follow you and we're gonna do things the way you tell us to do things because that's what it means to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. He gives us a spot in the kingdom of God and that spot is made available through his death, burial, and resurrection. But when we go onto the kingdom of God, we step out of the kingdom of this world that is run by Satan. So basically we are like uh, soldiers behind enemy lines trying to rescue people that are destined for hell, but that they can find forgiveness for all of their sins through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We should take our job in the kingdom very, very seriously. These are not things that are just, hey man, it would be best if you kind of did these things if you think about them. No, Jesus is telling you this is the way my people conduct themselves. And this is also the way that we fight the spiritual battle because Paul even said that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and principalities in heavenly places. This, by doing what the Lord said to do, it makes our light shine brighter, which draws people, and it's, it's God's light that shines through us, right? We're not the source of it. We are merely the transmission line. We're like a, a PVC pipe that lets the water through. We don't make the water, we just let it pass through us. And that's what our belief in Christ does. It lets God's light shine through us out into the darkness where people are brushed up and don't wanna come to Christ. So the kingdom of God is very important. It is very, very important. In week one, we looked at Ezekiel 22:30, that where God said, I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall, but I found no one. We don't ever want to get to that place again. We need cowboys that are willing to find a gap, stand in there and defend that gap for God, right? We do this by where we work by our friends that we have, the places that we go. Constantly, we are one of those cowboys that are willing to stand in the gap of the wall and defend the kingdom of God from evil forces, but also protect those inside and keep those that shouldn't be out, especially those that are divisive and want to harm people. God is searching for those who will live their lives in word and deed and stand in the gap. We call these people kingdom cowboys, those that are willing to do this. And like I said, in week two, we talked about how the kingdom of God is a real thing. And in this kingdom, the last thing Jesus told his disciples is what he also, the last thing he tells us in his written word. He says, before he goes back into heaven, he gave us the great battle plan. He gave us the great battle plan, and this battle plan is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, just in review. And it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. And listen, if he wants you to teach the disciples how to obey all these commands, what is the inferred? piece of that, that we 
are obeying God's commands, right? That we are living the life that he has called us to. It is the great battle plan. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'll be right there with you to the very end. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. But this week, though, this week, we're going to talk about the life-transforming principle of patience, of patience. We will see how often we should be patient, in what circumstances we should be patient in, and most importantly, who are we to be patient with? Let's look at today's mystical, and I, listen, this verse that we're going to use today, very, very few people understand it. It is one of the hardest ones to, to understand. And quite frankly, the reason I say that is I conducted my own research and asked myself what I thought, and this is what I think. Thank you, Anthony, for chuckling at that. The reason it must be so hard to understand is because very few of us do it. And that's the only thing I can figure out is that this verse must be very, very difficult to understand. Let's look at the last, uh, and, and if you're in the New Living Translation and you're following along, this is all gonna be 1 Thessalonians 5.14, but I have, I have uh, taken them out uh, sentence by sentence, and I have labeled them A, B, C, D, because there's four things, and we're gonna look at number four. We're gonna start with the fourth one. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, D, okay? Here it is. I know that this is tough. If you have any questions, let me know. God says, be patient with everyone. Okay, now, does anybody have any questions what that means? Right? And I know that that's really hard to understand. It has all these nuances and we're not sure. It, no, I'm, I'm being very sarcastic on a snowy Colorado morning. There's nothing hard to understand about that. Be patient with everyone. 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 No, no, everyone, right? Be patient with everyone. Well, I guess we, we have figured out who we're supposed to be patient with. But how often? How often are we supposed to be patient? Well, in the very first word of our hard-to-understand verse says be. Be is a state of being how often, you ask? Constantly. It's the only way to be, right? It didn't say do it once and you don't have to do it again or in the future if this happens, do it. No, it says be. Always be patient in every circumstance of every day. Listen, doing it wrong by being patient is still better than not being patient. Does that make sense? Doing it God's way, maybe even to a level that he didn't intend it, is still better than not doing something. So if you are patient with everyone, now granted, we'll talk a little bit more about this later, patience does not mean, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, entitling people or making excuses for them, just letting them do whatever they want. No, that's not what that means. It just don't get frustrated where it comes out and causes you to act somehow different than Jesus would have, okay? B is a state of being. How often do you ask, should you be patient? Constantly. It's the only way to be at all times. Well, we've looked about who we're supposed to be patient with. We've talked about how often are we supposed to be patient with. Well, what in what circumstances? Well, contextually speaking, we answer that with a who. Who do we have to be patient with? Everyone at all times. Everyone at all times. But some things are easier to be patient with than others, right? Especially for cowboys. Listen, I think today's passage is written for cowboys and those that kind of identify with the cowboy way of life and what they stand for. Maybe not necessarily the actions that they do every single day. But listen, you want to talk about hard, hard Sunday for cowboys? <laughs> Let me read the rest of 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 for you and see if this isn't going to be hard for some of you cowboys. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to be patient with those that are lazy. <laughs> we encourage you to be patient with those that are timid. We encourage you to be patient with those that are weak. Because if there's anything, then it says be patient with everyone, right? Because if there's three things that are horrifying to an, a working ranch cowboy and it's to be called lazy, timid, or weak, right? Yet, these are the exact three things that Jesus has to tell us of who to be patient with. And I think what it means for us today in this culture is that even the things that you abhor the most, be patient with those that are that way. Be patient with those that are lazy. Be patient with those that are timid. Be patient with those that are weak. But he adds something to it on how to take care of these people. He doesn't just say be patient. He, well, he does in the, in the fourth sentence. But what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14a is this. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Now, when you warn, be patient in your warning, okay? In other words, don't go warn them and fly off the handle and tell them all that they're doing wrong and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. It says be patient. Work with these people, but warn them about being lazy. See, this might be one of the worst criticisms a cowboy can ever give or receive. Isn't that right, guys? I mean, think about that, man. If somebody ever says, oh, yeah, he's a pretty good hand, he's just lazy. Everything before the butt is bullcrap. Well, he's a pretty good hand, but he's lazy. See, a lazy guy can't be a good hand, to be quite honest with you. 
because he's just there for people to, to see what he does. He's not there behind the scenes, no integrity. Doesn't get up and do his job when nobody's looking, right? But the funny part about laziness, though, is just how far it really goes. See, we should warn those who are too lazy to work. I mean, does not the Bible say, if you don't work, you don't eat? Now, granted, that, that's, that's for people that are capable of it, right? And I think that we have a God-given responsibility to take care of those that can't do that. That's why we do what we do, is it not? Right? But the Bible says, if you won't work, you ain't going to eat. Right? But the crazy part is just how far the laziness goes. We should warn those that stay busy all the time because they're too lazy to work on themselves. Think about that for a second. See, those that are too lazy to work, there's other people that, are, that fill their day up so much with busy work because they're too lazy to work on themselves. See, laziness is something that we all suffer from at some point. And consider this, God's warning to all of us who have become lazy. See, we must warn against being lazy in work, right? I mean, <laughs> I, everybody's seen the old meme right now, right? That God said that you could move mountains, but don't be surprised if he hands you a shovel, right? I mean, we, we got a part to play in this. We've got a part to play in it. But we must warn each other, not just about being lazy physically, but how about being lazy in faith? Because that's a lot harder to spot, but has much deeper consequences. How do you see somebody that is uh, being lazy in their faith? Listen, that obviously, I don't know why I'm saying this because it doesn't apply to anyone that's hearing this. <laughs> Okay, this doesn't apply to anybody that's hearing this today. But one of the first signs that somebody's being lazy in their faith is when church becomes a hassle. It's when church becomes a hassle. It's when we start thinking, well, you know, you don't have to go to church every Sunday, you know, to, to be a Christian. And, and you don't. I'll agree with that. But that's lazy faith right? That, that's laziness. Because, you know, it, and, and I, I was talking to somebody near and dear to me just this past week. I mean, I, I got to have the conversation. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? The conversation. And when I say the conversation, I mean where everything's laid on the table, the hard stuff, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the the stuff going on right now, I got to have a talk with them and they were of that mind. Well, you don't have to go to church every Sunday to be a Christian. And I said, well, if somebody saved your daughter or your son from dying and all they asked you to do was go visit them once a week, would you say that was too much? And they said, well, probably not. This is what we do here. We come to church because we're strengthened. There, listen, there is no part of the New Testament that assumed that some of us would not be involved in a local church. There is no part of the New Testament that says it's okay for you to be a Christian on your own somewhere else. 
It is not there. Now, you can be a Christian without going to church, yes, but you're going to have a hard, 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 hard time growing unless you're connected to a group of like-minded believers that can encourage each other and look out for each other and explain things to each other and share in the troubles and tribulations and share the praise reports, right? That's one of the things that we have to warn people against being lazy. No, it's not about the church. It's about the fellowship with God. It's about the worship of Him. And there's nothing more important than that. We must warn about being lazy in the faith. How about this one? Well, I've been doing pretty good. Twisting off every once in a while ain't no big deal. Well, I guess as far as sin goes, there might be a lot of worse ones. But that's being lazy in your faith. If you ain't twisted off in a long time, keep going. Make it a longer time. Make that the goal instead of the other way around. How about this? Blaming others for your own junk. Huh. That's being lazy in our faith, isn't it? How about putting faith in man instead of God? Putting faith in man instead of God. Well, I'm not going to go to church there anymore because that person made me mad. Oh, you were there for them? Well, how about this one? Well, God never listens to my prayers. Oh, my gosh. Which one do you want? Do you want to look like lazy or throw yourself a pity party, right? Maybe God, God does answer every prayer. Sometimes the answer is no, right? And no is nearly the best answer you can give because it shows you that doing it that way would not get you closer to God. Celebrate when God tells you no. But what does this have to do with others, right? What does patience, giving patience look like in real life? In real life, well... I think if you're a kingdom cowboy, and this is going to be a play on words, you got to learn to do this, folks, because, see, in your position, being a cowboy in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to do some pastor doctrine. Pastor doctrine. You see kind of what I'm getting at right there? You're going to have to be a pastor to somebody someday. And you can't tell them how to fix it if you ain't got your own junk in line. Be patient with everyone. Warn those. We urge you to warn those who are lazy. Start with yourself. Be sure that you're not being lazy in your faith. Okay? And warn others if God so leads you to do. But make it, but understand this. And I've said this from the inception of my professional preaching career. So I've been doing it for about 15 years now. I've been saying this. If, if God leads you to warn somebody about being lazy, he is also calling you to help them out of that way of life. He's never just going to say, hey, go tell that person they're messing up real bad so you can look really good and then never talk to them again. If God is calling you to point out the sin in somebody else, he is calling you to walk with them until that sin is gone. Remember that the next time you go to pointing out stuff in other people. But what does patience, what does doctoring, pastor doctoring for somebody lazy in this world look like in real life? Man, sometimes it's answering the phone. You know who it is. 
all of us have that, that, those few people that you're just like, ah. As Brad McLean says, you hate to ask them how they are because you're afraid they'll tell you. <laughs> right? We've all got that one. We've all got that one. And if we don't, you're it. <laughs> right? You're the person. If you don't have a person, you're the person. Answer the call. How about this? Text them first. That's what doctrine in real life looks like. Making the first. How about this one? You want to be patient with people? Let go of yesterday. Yeah, they probably screwed up yesterday. Hard to deal with yesterday. How about let it go? It's a lot easier to let something go than hold on to it. Or at least it should be. And maybe patience is the part of fixing people that works better than most people think. Let me say that one time. Maybe patience... Listen to this, you fixers, right? You guys that just want to fix everybody, that can tell everybody, well, if you'll just do this, everything will work out for you, right? Listen to this right quick. Maybe patience is the part of fixing people that works better than most people think. See, patience is one of the main avenues through which God's love will flow from one person to another. It is that big of a deal to be patient with others. Next sentence, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14b, New Living Translation. Paul says, encourage those who are timid. Man, there's probably not a cowboy alive that doesn't identify in, Tim in one of the books of Timothy when, when Paul says, for we are not given a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of strength and power and self-control, right? I mean, that's a manly verse. But yet, Paul is telling us here that there's some people that don't fit that, that they, they are timid. They are timid. Now, what word does he use how to be patient with them? With lazy, we're supposed to warn them patiently, right? Give them a chance, right? Well, in this version of being patient with timid people, Paul uses the word encourage, encourage those who are timid and you're going to have to be patient about it okay you're going to have to be patient about it interestingly i did not know this before studying okay interestingly enough the word timid in first thessalonians 5:14 in the original greek is the only time that that word is used now, we translate it as timid, but let me, it, it, the, in the Greek, it's a combination of two words. Oligos, I don't know, O-L-I-G-O-S, oligos, something like that. And another word, P-S-U-C-H, long E, suchi, or something like that, right? Those two words mean this. Few, the oligos means few or a little, get this, suchi, you know what it means? Life or soul. So really, the word for timid here means little life. Like, like they're not living life to the, to, to the fullest. They're hiding in a corner instead of experiencing everything God has given us. They are timid about life. Timid means 
little life or few life. You can see it when it happens, man. They just hurt themselves by being scared of doing anything, right? So how do we, how do we help those people? Listen, there are so many people who are too timid to live the life God has called us to. Because listen, the reason that there are timid people of faith and the reason God says to warn them is because, listen, there's no sissies in heaven. Because the greatest act of bravery you can ever do is to willingly die while you're alive. It's called dying to self. It's by obeying Jesus's commands. And by doing that, by dying to self, we don't die. Our bodies will die, but we will not be there for the death because we have already died to self. That's what baptism is, is a symbol of us dying to self and following Jesus. Christians don't die twice. They just die once. Now, unbelievers, they will be present when their body dies, and it is painful. But Christians aren't like that. They are too timid to live this life that God has called us to, too timid to step out in faith, too timid to grab on to the forgiveness we have been given. Yes, those that say, well, I'm just not worthy. Well, God can forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. Listen, that is cowardice. That is nothing but timidity of not stepping out boldly. I mean, what does the Bible say in Hebrews? That now we can go boldly to the throne of grace and receive what we need, right? Man, we need to encourage those who are timid that aren't going to God for whatever reason, that they're too timid to ask for help, too timid to do anything except make excuses. You ever run into those people? I mean, have you tried this? It's just excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. Man, excuses are merely fears laid bare. Well, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that. And really what they're telling you is I'm too afraid. We need to encourage those people. But timidity doesn't always look like timidity. Things like people that are angry. Most of the people that get angry the most are scared the most. How do I know that? Because I watched him shave this morning. I have a bad problem with anger. I'm better than I used to be. I'm a lot better than I used to be. But you know why I get so mad at stuff that I can't control? Because I'm scared it's going to push me over the edge. See, I used to be a fist fighter. And I don't like to get that mad. And I've been that mad a couple of times in the past year. And it's scary. And you can ask my wife. I tell her, I'm scared. I get so mad. So this is just at me. Timidity doesn't always look like timidity. Sometimes it looks big and strong and scary. But anger is a form of timidity. Taking things personal is a form of timidity. And avoidance behavior like working all the time, don't have many friends, spends a lot of time on social media and online. These are all versions of timidity. But what does encouraging those who are timid look like in real life? In other words, what does the pastor doctrine look like out in the real world? World? My Texas accent wouldn't let me do an OR for a minute. Listen. What does that pastor doctrine look like in the kingdom of God with cowboys in the kingdom of God? It looks like this. How about keep inviting them to do stuff? 
especially to church. Did you know that somebody that does not attend churches regularly, the average, the average amount of times you have to ask somebody that does not attend church regularly before they will attend is seven times. How many times do we give up after one or two? What if somebody didn't give up on you that seventh time? See, most of you in here, you've been here before. Most of you watching online, you've watched before. But there was a time when you didn't. And think about y'all that are here that have truly given your lives to God, the changes that you've seen make in your lives and the lives of those around you. Don't you want that for somebody else? And sometimes they're so timid, it'll take seven times of inviting them to a Bible study or, or just to talk about God or whatever. Don't stop. Don't be timid when encouraging the timid. Keep asking them to do things. See, the part about patience is not to give up on them. And be patient with baby steps. That's what encouragement means, man. Celebrate the baby steps, okay? Celebrate the baby steps with those that are timid. It's a big world out there for the timid, okay? It's a big world. Let's be patient with them and let's encourage them. And finally, take, be patient with the weak. Now, what does Paul use here? Because when he's talking about laziness, he said, warn them, right? When talking about the timid, he says, encourage them, right? And then when he talks about those who are weak, what does he say? Take tender care of those who are weak. Well, I think that, that's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? I mean, if something's weak, you, you, you take tender care of it, you know? I mean, when you've got two baby weenie dogs that are nine weeks old, you take tender care of them. You don't care if you step on Bane, the Belgian Malinois. You're like, get out of the way, right? But he's strong. We gotta learn to take care of those who are weak. It is not by accident that Paul gives us three different verbs and how to handle those. And we talked about that. Warn the lazy, encourage the timid, take tender care of the weak. This can mean weak in faith, just like timidity, right? Listen, I'm gonna give away something right here, okay? This is gonna step on some people's toes and it's gonna, some other people are gonna nod. You wanna know my secret to gauging somebody's weakness or strength and it's like that, well, I said judging, right? Seeing how, where they fit in everything. There is one dead giveaway that'll show you somebody that is weak in faith quicker than anything else. And it's this right here. Well, Christians, you can't judge me. Oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes, I can. The Bible says, don't judge unfairly. Everything in the Bible is about judgment. We are judging right there. We are judging that you are being lazy and we're going to warn you about it. We see that you are, we are judging that you are timid and we are going to encourage you with it, right? You want to see somebody that's weak in faith, that has a Sunday school level of faith is like, well, the Bible says you can't judge. Listen, you don't know nothing about the Bible. You're, you're playing with big boy sticks and sharp, you're playing with sharp sticks that you don't know what to do with. You're running with scissors, okay? You don't know what you're doing. And we're supposed to take tender care of these people, not see a weakness and kick them while they're down, right? See, church attendance may not say a lot about someone's faith, 
But lack of attendance sure says a lot, doesn't it? Think about that. I mean, you, the, the old story of the pastor that walked in to the guy that hadn't been at church for a while and he was just going to, oh, here it goes. I'm going to get this big, long lecture about a church attendance and everything. And the pastor just walked over there. They were sitting in front of the fireplace, not saying a word. And he got those big old tongs, took a coal out, set it by itself and sat back down. And here in just a second, that coal went out and he got up and left. That's probably the best illustration I've ever seen. Listen, people that are weak in faith, they will tend to equate materialism with blessing. Think about that. You see it a lot on social media. Oh, I'm just so blessed to have this new truck. God just blessed me so much with this new truck. That just shows that, that they're happy about it. And there's nothing wrong with being happy about it, but that shows that they don't really know what, a God, what God's blessings are. I mean, God's blessings run so much deeper than physical things, right? And these people that do that, we're not supposed to criticize them. We're supposed to take tender care of them until they can get stronger in their faith. Weak can also mean frail of body though, right? Help them do what they can with what they have. That is the best definition of a cowboy that I've ever come up with. A cowboy is somebody that does the best that they have with the circumstances that they were given. Some people's cowboy and it just evolves around watching westerns and stuff like that and wearing a cowboy hat. And if that's all the, the uh, what am I trying to say, opportunity they ever had, okay. Weak can also mean not just frail of body, but no willpower. Boy, I've, fit, I've, I've fell in this category more times than I know. There are those who are strong as long as there's no trials or tribulations, right? See, my, one of my favorite sayings is, you can tell me how tough you are, but I want to be there when you get bucked off. Well, number one, so I can help you back up. But pain says a lot about somebody. There's those that fold in times of trials and tribulations, and if they're one of those and you're not, it's going to be hard to be patient with them, isn't it? Because I think I'm looking at a lot of people that get up no matter what, and they have a hard time with people that don't. Be patient with them. Take tender care of those who blow over at the slightest hint of a breeze. Nobody has it. Have you ever, when you talk to those people that fold at the least little thing, you know, have you ever, the reason that they're hard to deal with is because when you talk to them, nobody has it as bad as they have it, right? Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Like the, the Bible says that there is nothing that has come upon anybody that nobody else has not went through, you know? I mean, and, and, it, and it can be bad. It can be bad, but you're not alone, right? And remember this as we close with, with weakness. Me and Ty and Tyler talked about this on Thursday a little bit, that what we perceive as weakness, every strength can be a weakness and every weakness can be a strength, right? Those people that are weak, Try to show them how to turn that weakness into a strength. And if you're strong in an area, be sure that you don't fall prey to the other side of that, which is the weakness.
Listen, the Bible says, be patient with everyone, even those that are lazy, even those that are timid and act like sissies, right? And even those that are weak and frail. Be patient with all of them. If you are strong, if you have answered that call of Ezekiel where God said, I looked for somebody to stand in the gap in the wall, but instead of God saying, I found none, I want him to say, I found one, and her name is. I found one. I looked for somebody to stand in the wall, and I found one. And his name is you. But we must do it with patience. Patience. We must work with those that are lazy. We must warn them. We must encourage those that are timid. And we must take tender care of those that are weak. And finally, as hard as it is, we must be patient with everyone. Thank you for your patience today. Let's go to God in prayer. God, these hard lessons, they're the best ones. God, there ain't a stinking person in here, especially the one talking right now, that doesn't have a ton of work to do with being patient, especially with people that are lazy, weak, and timid. It is just against our nature, but those are who you've called us to. And God, when we go out from this place right here, we know we go with you, and you have called us to a life, a doctrine in the pasture. We are pasture doctors. Help us to do what you have called us to do. Help us to make disciples of all men in all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey the commands that we are obeying. God, strengthen us because all of us have weakness, all of us have some timidity, and all of us are lazy in some way or fashion. God, we'll listen to you before we talk to others. Make a difference in our lives and transform us into your likeness. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you all for braving the roads. Be very careful on your way home. We pray for the animals and the cowboys and all the other workers out there. And we definitely pray for Israel. Keep them in your prayers. Love you all and we'll see you next week.